Today, we're chatting with the creator of the Dig to Fly method about what really holds people back from doing what they love and what they can do about that. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really happy to be here with you today. We've got a really awesome Really fun interview, but before we get there, this interview is brought to you by my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Yeah, that's right. If this is your first time here, you heard that title right. It's The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. And if you don't believe me, go on over to Amazon, read through the over 1,600 five-star rave reviews by excited readers who, after all the books and all the programs and all the other nonsense, finally found a book that explains the law of attraction like you've never heard it before. Not only does it include fun, user-friendly methods, but it's going to hold a mirror up to you, the reader, and explain what's happening in your head whenever you're trying to work on yourself. It'll explain why you get excited, why you start to use what you learn, and you even begin to get results, and then you still quit. This book will tell you why this happens and what's really going on in your mind that's the cause of this and how to finally get around it once and for all so that you can finally start to invite and manifest those things that you want the most. You can feel free to check the book out by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll actually auto-forward to the Amazon listing where you can get it in Kindle or paperback or audiobook if you prefer. And if you don't want to pull out your wallet but you still want to find out a little bit more about this material, you can feel free to go to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Cap. I have lots of different interviews regarding the Law of Attraction. I interview law of attraction experts. I teach new methods. I answer important questions and a few other surprises as well. I highly recommend you give either the book a look or the YouTube channel and you check it out because so far the feedback has been phenomenal, which I am very grateful for. With that said, let's get to today's guest. Carl Stabe is the founder of the Dignify Method and the author of Bring Gratitude. He trains people to use the Dignify Method to help them understand what's holding them back from doing what they love. He's been featured in Forbes, NPR, and Zen Habits and has worked with great companies such as Philips Global, Southwest Research Institute, and Pioneer Nation. The game plan here today is we're actually going to dive into all the steps of this Dignify Method and really analyze them and break them down so that you could start using it right away. So let me switch up mics and without any any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Carl Stabe. Carl, thank you so much for being here, my friend, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to you. And, you know, I've, I've done a little, you know, reading up on you. And um, I'm sure like a lot of people, some people are being introduced to you right now and other people are, are just learning more about you. But I guess just to set off the tone of this conversation the right way, I want to kind of like throw it off to you. And, you know, in the simplest of terms, what do you do? Like, how do you serve people specifically? Yeah, so uh, I train people in the dig to fly method. Um, and basically what it is, is a tool that um, you use kind of to understand your struggles and use them as stepping stones. Because I think too often we get caught up in our thoughts and emotions um, and then they start pushing us around. And if we just pause and take a step back and realize what's going on and how we build these stories up in our own head, then we can figure out what next steps we need to take and the right next steps. Because I think that's the big key 
Um, and when you can do that for yourself, uh, man, there's so many more opportunities out there. You just have to be able to open up those mental doorways and walk through them. Right, right. Now, when we're talking about mental doorways and we're talking about mindset and we're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, obviously that could that can go in so many different directions. And I'm curious, is there a predominant uh, category or group that you work with in the sense like, do you work with people on their career or their love life or or health challenges, or is it across the board? Like, is there one primary area where you see a lot of this and you practice the method through them or with them a lot of the time? Yeah, good question. <clears throat> it, it works on multiple levels, but the people that I found uh, gravitate towards it a lot is small business owners. Mm. And so as I've grown the company, I'm starting to do, instead of just kind of training them to use this, because I've found, you know, having a coach is great. Uh, having, um, you know, consultants come in are, are, is fantastic. You need these things. You need these outside perspectives. Um, but you also need to have a way, a structure that you use, uh, therapists, uh, you know, uh, groups, whatever, you know, your, your, your uh, struggle is, is something that you need support with. Um, but it starts with creating the support system inside of yourself mm -hmm. um, and then helping other people create that support system. Because I find some of the biggest uh, barriers to people growing their business is that they, uh, not that they don't trust other people, but that they can't let go of that control of uh, the certain project or certain parts of their business. And when they do, um, then they can allow the other person to thrive. But it's, you know, you as a leader, you are just going to have to be the person to help squash those struggles for these other people. Um, and then they can fly free. And that's where Dig the Fly comes from. Because, you know, we, we, we get in our own way so often and we're scared of, you know, maybe what our boss thinks. But if he empowers us to talk about our struggles or she empowers us, um, then we open up and say, wait, I, you know, I can take this in whatever direction that I think's best. And that's freedom. And that's mental freedom to, you know, to make mistakes, to, to mess up, but learn from them and grow from them. Right. So if I'm understanding correctly, I mean, this is about in the context of a small business, um, a small business that wants to grow, of course, this is about someone recognizing that they might want to hold a mirror up to themselves and they might want to engage in this process for themselves, but it isn't just for their own growth. It's also so that they can achieve a specific level of mastery to then use that to facilitate the people under them as the company grows so that everybody ends up, I guess, stopping those, those stories that they tell themselves that hold them back and stopping the obstacles that they throw in front of themselves without realizing it. Is, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, you nailed it, brother. That was awesome. Nice, nice, cool. So, and also, you know, when we're talking about small businesses, and again, I know, even though you work with that, I mean, this could be across the board, if like, in terms of dating, when it's like, why won't he call back? Or why won't she call back? You can go down a rabbit hole of, of answering that question in a completely inaccurate and disempowering way. But by that same token, getting back to small businesses, you know, why did only so many customers respond? Or why didn't that product launch go the way I wanted it to or, or whatever? Again, I imagine it's these things where we tell ourselves stories and not only is it disempowering, but it's dangerous in the sense that if the, if the disempowering story were true, at least you can do something about it. But I imagine you encounter people where 
the danger is they tell this disempowering story that's inaccurate. Therefore, they're not even trying to fix the right thing in their business. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I worked with one entrepreneur who really struggled at the end of his day. Um, and it was fascinating because, you know, super bright guy, um, you know, has a consultant business. Um, he has a few people on his staff. Um, but he didn't really take time to process uh, what was going on at the end of the day. And so that's when we had him kind of do this dig to fly method at the end of every day. Um, and what he realized was he would eat a lot of junk food that kind of help him relax and kind of feel that comfort uh, that he would experience when he was around his parents. Um, you know, uh, his father died recently. And, uh, and then he used that as a coping mechanism. He put on weight. And he just wasn't taking the time to process what was going on. Mm -hmm. And that's the, I think the biggest thing ab about this is creating some emotional space. Right. And um, do you want me to go through the questions? Because I think even well, if, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was about to say, you, you know, so funny. I think we're on the same wavelength here because I'm just about to segue into that sense because, um, you know, full disclosure, there are technically two sets of audiences that are going to be listening to this recording. There's my audience and there's yours. And the interesting thing is the difference being your audience is already familiar with these questions. And I want to give my audience a huge win and your audience a huge win. So I actually have the questions in front of me and I do want to go through them with you, but I also have a couple of questions about the questions, which one, I hope will give my audience a huge leg up in trying this for the first time, but two might give your audience a new perspective or just a, an extra enhanced viewpoint on some of these things. If they'd never asked the questions I'm about to dive in. I mean, does that sound like a, a cool thing for you to, to dive in with me? Yeah, let's do awesome. it. Awesome, awesome. So um, taking the wheel a little bit and feel free to slow me down or speed me up. But obviously, after we have an example, and I know on, on the sheet that you have, like, you know, your coworker um, keeps putting me down every chance she gets. We can use that or a different one. But I know the first question you have is like, how tough is this struggle on a scale of one to 10? Zero being easy, 10 being unbearable. And um, I imagine, you know, this is probably a good one. Of course, this is a self-identifying question. Like what's really going on? How much is this affecting me really? That's what this is really diving into. And I did want to ask you in general, when people throw these numbers at you for the first time, when you're working with it through them, are they usually dead on in their number or are they often, does, do they ever start off where they're not even assessing themselves the right way? And they don't even realize that it might be easier or harder than they're even allowing themselves to realize? A little bit of both. Um, mm. I think they're usually dead on because that's how they're feeling. So mm -hmm. most of the time when, you know, people hire me, um, the struggle's real, you know, like it's, it's palpable to them. Um, and very rarely is it like below a six. Um, you know, and as we work together and you, and we kind of do this multiple times, they know what's coming, right? They're like, oh yeah, like I know I'm going to work through this and I'm going to process it. And it's usually not as bad as it seems, um, mm -hmm. but uh, usually, yeah, it, you know, it's uh, a lot of times it's seven, eight, nines, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it feels intense. It feels unbearable. And then as we start to go through the questions, 
you can almost see them like, yeah, no, that's, that's not an eight, you know, like you can almost like see them like thinking, you know, maybe this is more like a six and it starts to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I like about that first question is it just creates this emotional space of like, put a number on it, really just take a, you know, 15 seconds to like, okay, where is this at on my scale? And then when you really, when you start to like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm not in jail. I'm, you know, I'm not on (laughs) death row or whatever, you know, then it's like, this isn't as bad as I make it out to be. Got it. Now, I don't know if this is a fair question, but I imagine you probably get it. I want to ask in general, even though people are different across the board, do you suggest people when you ask them how tough this is a struggle on a scale of one to 10, do you advise them to come up with like, you know, a snap answer or do you advise them to kind of wait and consider and think about it? Depends on the person. I try not to guide them too much because um, I want them to be them. You know, I, I, you know, if they're pausing and really thinking it through, um, I've noticed introverts do that much more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if they're extroverted, you know, uh, they wear, you know, their hearts on their sleeves, and they just go for it. And so uh, I try to let them be them as much as possible. Um, And then, you know, as things unfold, and as we dig deeper into these questions, um, you know, then it's, it helps them process everything. Got it. Got it. So we've got this first question. How tough is the struggle on a scale of one to 10 or zero to 10 rather? Um, Next question. Why do you feel this way? And you say, dig deeper to uncover your truth. Um, What do you like? What what else can you say about this, this step and and what you often encounter as you walk people through this question of why do you feel this way? Well, one of the most important things, uh, you know, Simon Sinek, the power of why, um, you know, he did the really amazing Ted talk. Um, and I think, uh, what he's getting at is really is understanding the purpose that you have, uh, and the purpose that we have of, of believing this struggle and what it is and how difficult it is, um, shows us a lot about who we are, you know, there's, it, it helps us you know, say, oh, yeah, I really care about this thing. Um, You know, and, you know, when you're struggling with a coworker or a boss, um, it's because you care, you know, if you didn't care at all, um, then it would be a zero and you, you would give two shits about it. And you would, if you get fired, fine, you don't care. Um, But there's a lot of emotional attachment uh, to, uh, to a struggle and to be able to understand it, you've got to start with the why. You've got to dig in, like, why does this matter to me? Mm. And then the more you really dig into the why, it really helps you uncover that you can almost start to see everything else unfold, um, mm-hmm. especially the next question. Um, but before we get to that, you know, it's just really saying, why am I so worried about this? Why am I upset about this? And then not just, not just being okay with the first answer, you know, like uh, I'm upset, you know, like the coworker uh, point, you know, like I'm upset because he, you know, treats me bad and, you know, it makes me feel that I'm, you know, you know, not as good as I should be. Okay. Well, why don't you think you're as good as you should be? And now we start to get to those, 
you know, those, I call them diamonds. It's those, you know, things that are, un, you know, down deep below where your thoughts and emotions, you know, meet your subconscious mm. and what stories are going on underneath there that so, make, you know. I'll, yeah, I'm glad ahead. you brought that up because that actually was going to be my next question because it sounds to me like this second question of why do you feel this way? It's really a layer of multiple questions where what, whatever that first answer is, you ask, why to that? And then the next one, why to that? And I mean, I'm just taking a guess here. You probably want to go four or five layers if possible to really go deep and as deep as you can so that you have more insight into your viewpoint, your worldview, and your real interpretation and story around the situation before moving on into the process. Is that uh, a fair assessment? Yeah. So, um, you know, Simon Sinek really... Uh, has some impact on me, um, but so does Kaizen of Toyota. Uh, Kaizen is basically, um, you, know, you know, figuring out the best way to do things. Um, constant improvement, uh, I think, is 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 the definition of it. Um, and Toyota came up with the five whys. Like uh, one of the examples was, you know, why do we have a janitorial closet on um, this end of the you know, plant. And, uh, you know, we, they started digging like, why do we put it? Well, um, that's the way architects designed it. Well, you know, why did they design it that way? Okay. We don't know. Okay. Well, why don't we have other janitorial closets in other parts of the plant? Um, I don't know. Why not? You know, and then you start digging into, all of these little things, you constantly find little ways to improve. Mm. And we are just a mountain full of diamonds inside of ourselves. And the more we start to uncover, the more that we see who we are, the more uh, honest we become with ourselves. And that's when that's where real freedom comes from. Yeah, you, you know, not not to take us down too far a rabbit hole, because I want to make sure we stay on track with this process. But what you were saying there did remind me of a story that I, I heard from a really world-class marketer, Evan Pagan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but um, he told this story where he was, I forgot if it was him at the dinner or somebody at a dinner where like, you know, we'll just say it's him. He's with a girlfriend and they're at Thanksgiving dinner and there's a pot roast being prepared. And they noticed that, um, you know, the... The, the youngest person in the generation who's up to create the food, she's cutting off um, the ends of, of the meat and then putting it in and preparing it. And to, to him, he's like, this is really a weird thing. And he asked her like, why do you cut the, you know, the, the two ends? And it's like, well, that, that's how my mom like showed me how to do it. And again, it's Thanksgiving. So we've got like multi-generation people here and the mother happens to be there. So he walks over to like, Hey, just curious, why didn't you teach uh, such and such that she has to cut the ends of the meat over? She's like, I don't know. That's how my mom showed me. And again, luxury, it's Thanksgiving. The grandma's there also. And they asked the grandma, it's like, well, why do you like, why'd you teach her to do that? It's like, well, when I, you know, when I was um, preparing this and when you were growing up, we had a small pot or small pan. We could only fit so much meat in there. And that's why. And it was obviously just like a huge insight because it's like, okay, um, someone might be doing something based on a scenario or based on a why that doesn't even apply to them anymore because their pot could fit the whole thing. And here they are going off this whole thing. And it makes me wonder, are some of these whys that people say why they feel a certain way, 
are they pre-programmed unintentionally based on what they learn from their parents or based what they learn in magazines and TV? Or am I going like way too deep in this process away from the process? No. And that that's the stuff you want to uncover. And that's mm-hmm. the stuff that really, yeah, because, you know, we, we do things and to be fair, we need to do things on autopilot. We yes. can't ask why to everything. It would drive us nuts. We'd be exhausted by 10 a.m. Um, we need to be on autopilot. We need to like not think that much of how which way to go to work, you know? And it's okay that we're not taking the most optimal route at times. But if a struggle is messing with your productivity, messing with your ability to connect with people, um, that's when you you need to dig into it and really uncover what's going on underneath it. Right. And you just, you basically, you want to go as deep as possible, but you don't want to borderline on the ridiculous because, you know, this is a process that you have to go through. And sometimes there are 10 layers, but going five is enough, at least in the beginning to move forward and at least make progress. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, this takes multiple repetitions. Um, I do this every Sunday and I do it usually a few times during the week, depending on, you know, where I'm at. And it's funny, I'm, I'm a cynic at heart. And, uh, and I am like, oh, it's not going to work this time. And then I do it. And I'm like, yep, it worked again. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's funny how that happens. Yeah, it's also funny, by the way, it's like how even though you've seen it work time and time again, there's still that that layer of hesitation or doubt, which is important because if the the world expert on it is doing that, people should not let that hold them back if they're experiencing that same doubt as well. They should just dive in, especially since this is a fairly, you know, simple process. You just got to go through the steps. Yeah, I always say it's simple, but hard because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want you know, uh, I think, you know, it, it's why so many of us, you know, kind of allow our fears to kind of dictate a lot of our actions, um, because we don't dig into, them. you know, we don't really understand what's going on underneath them. But when we do, and we surface them, that's why I call them diamonds, because it's like, these things that once like, took up a lot of mental energy is now released and gives us energy back. Yeah, it's just this game where we can play this dance that we have of like, digging into our thoughts and emotions that it's a wonderful process. Um, And there's many ways uh, to do it through meditation, through counseling. Um, So that's one thing, uh, you know, this is just one feather in the cap, you know, that are, you know, or one bow and or one arrow in your bow of of, of ideas that you can use. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, don't discount the other ones either, because I think they all kind of um, can help you as well. Fair enough. So first question is how tough is a struggle on a scale of zero to 10? Then you ask, why do you feel this way? And you want to dig deeper where you ask why maybe a couple times through that. And then third question is what were your expectations of the situation? Uh, Talk about that real quick, Carl, like what you mean by that? So whenever we struggle, I would say nine out of 10 times, it's because we expect it to be different. Mm. Um, you know, simple thing, a uh, kid didn't pick up the toys. The struggle is you're angry that they did not do as you expected them to do. Um, and that struggle might only be a five to you, but maybe you had a hard day at work and now it feels like a nine. Um, and that's, so I've, I've done this myself and I'm like, wait, Carl, like 
before you blow up, before you act like your dad did, get mad, blow off, you know, you know, real quick fuse. Um, now I ask myself on a scale of zero to 10, how big of a struggle is it? And it just diffuses me right away every right. time. Like, and I don't even have to go through the other questions. It's almost like I automatically start processing it. Got it. Um, so that's two, two good things come up there. Like, well, one, this isn't necessarily a thing where you have to follow through the steps if you feel better right away. I mean, the whole point's to feel better, right? Um, and the second piece I get out of this is the whole key about this. And it sounds like, you know, this third question really is a, a core piece of everything here because it's rooted in the understanding that we are often frustrated by things that are not within our control anyway. Yes, yes. And if we can understand that, you know, um, it's okay to want and expect certain things. This is what I think a lot of people have trouble wrapping their minds around is, um, well, if I don't have any expectations, then, you know, nothing will get done. Um, you know, it's not the idea of not having expectations it just having the proper place for them inside of your mindset. And when mm -hmm. you do, um, then it just doesn't, it doesn't push you around. It's like, Oh, ah, oh, that's interesting versus like, I'm so angry right now. Yeah, it just yeah. helps you get more curious about who you are and, and, and why you act certain ways. Yeah. And this is particularly interesting in the sense of a small business, like you were talking about or an entrepreneur, because, you know, speaking from uh, personal experience, we're, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners are traditionally control freaks. So, of course, this third question is going to be a critical piece because they are often getting themselves out of whack where they're so used to trying to control themselves. It's an automatic almost instance to try to control situations around them that are not within their control. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Mm, I love it. I love it. So, all right. So cool. So we're, you put, what are, what are your expectations? And this is really about, again, explaining like what was supposed to happen, so to speak, and it didn't. And you're just like, kind of like putting it out there and assessing it is, is that like, basically assuming you don't feel better yet? Is that the extent of what you're doing before moving on to the fourth question? Yeah. And I want to go back to that feel better part real quick. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the idea is not necessarily just to feel better. I think it's the byproduct. The, the idea is to dig deeper so you understand more about yourself because um, sometimes this makes you feel worse. And that's, I've seen that where it's like, oh my God, like, you know, kind of you, you, you surface this, this diamond, but it's just got coal and dirt and it's just ugly. And you're like, holy shit. Like I, that's what my dad, like I saw when doing this process, how kind of ugly and kind of mean I was to my kids and to myself. And it started with myself. Cause I, mm. I, I have this inner bully that's just rough on me. And, um, you know, so I've been really working on that and, um, trying to uh, understand, you know, um, you know, uh, where this comes from. You come, a lot comes from my dad. A lot of it comes from, you know, stories. I told myself some trauma, um, and, you know, because of that, you know, now it's like, I kind of like went deep and it made me sad because I, I saw myself, you know, uh, being exactly like my dad was. And I was afraid of my dad when I was eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want my kids to be afraid of me. I wanted them to respect me, but not be afraid of me. And right. so 
And I think the same, we do that at work too. Bosses think like, you know, they need to respect me. They need to listen to everything. But I think what we've realized is when we allow people to own the work and allow them to be their, their own selves at work, they do better work than if it's just something that they're told to do and that they have to finish this certain project in this certain way. Right. Which again, follows the thread of, you know, being able to let go, not control everything. And what's also interesting that I did not realize, I'm glad you pulled us back here is someone might be trying this process, especially like for the first, you know, first time and feeling bad doesn't necessarily mean that the process is not working. It's just, it's the feeling. If you feel anything, that is a key indicator that you're getting somewhere and a key indicator to keep moving forward and pushing through with this. Yes. Yes, exactly. Got it. Awesome. So that brings us to the the fourth question. So again, you know, just recap, you know, first question was how tough is the struggle on a scale of zero to 10? Then why do you feel this way? And you dig deep through a couple of layers of the whys. Then you say, what were your expectations of the situation to see what's gotten you, gotten you specifically bent out of shape about this? And then Fourth question is, what are a few small things that you can appreciate about the situation? So this is, I mean, to me, this is obvious. This is about diffusing any bad feelings or pent up frustration or any kind of negativity that's been anchoring or, or pulling you down through this reframe of the situation, basically. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. What I like to, what I like to tell people um, is that there's, literally an infinite amount of ways you can look at a situation. Um, you know, and the matrix is, you know, visually showed this well of like Neo going into the matrix and like being able to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, that's how our mindsets work. You know, like when we really, you know, work at this and we practice it, we can say, Oh, wow. Like, so for example, my father passed and this is a lot of this sparked, um, this process was sparked by his passing because as I went to visit him in the ICU, I saw him hooked to, you know, the monitors and tubes and very weak and bloated. Like he's a tough German, you know, like I've, he was an electrician. So he had big forearms and, you know, just very strong, um, and I saw him and I saw his weakened state. And I realized that, you know, I had a fork in the road. And I think we, this, you know, this is an example of a big fork, right? But mm. I was like, oh, wow. Like, do, you know, I saw, because I, you know, as I've been contemplating these things, you know, his passing and, and, you know, who I am as a person and, and how much he's helped me, but also hindered me um, and how I can grow from both. And I can see the, the hindrances. I can see his passing as something positive, not, you know, also terrible too, because, you know, he is a, one of my best friends, um, but yeah. I could learn from this situation. I could appreciate it for what it was and the beauty of of life and, and how it, you know, how things pass on. No one lives forever. Yeah. And uh, that's when I realized, oh no, like anything, a car wreck, uh, traffic, uh, anything can be appreciated if you are able to kind of pause and take time to figure out what you appreciate about it. 
Right. So, I mean, what we're talking about here in this step is a strategic constructive reframe. And whereas that third question, this process was really critical in the sense of self-awareness, which is always going to be essential, whether you're a small business owner or we're talking about your love life or anything else. This fourth question, this is about literally strategically looking on the bright side of things. Not really, I mean, relief is there, but also because it makes you more constructive and more proactive in your intentionality in your life and how you're going to deal with whatever's got you down to begin with. Is that a a good way to put it uh, based on your experience? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. And I I love, by the way, you know, obviously, you know, you, you wrote a book called bring gratitude and I wrote a book called the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read, which really hinges a lot on gratitude. So we're definitely both on, on the same page in terms of the value of it. And for me, gratitude really is a strategy like joy is a strategy like you want to experience joy find ways to experience joy and it invites more joy and uh, it's really interesting because obviously I'm coming from my own specific perspective but anytime I see somebody put gratitude or appreciation into a mental uh, or self-awareness or self-discovery process I immediately see the value there and I understand how high level that it really is yeah because I think that's one of the hardest things that we have to be able to understand is, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has a quote, you know, our brains are puppies, but our minds are infinite. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard to grasp that concept. It's really hard. You know, you, you know, you sit for, you know, man, when I first started meditating, one minute felt like forever. And it's like, how does that one minute feel like forever? And, you know, how does like two hours going by when I'm, you know, jumping around on different websites and, you know, uh, researching different stuff or hopping on Facebook and two hours goes by like a blink of an eye. Mm. And it's, it's all in how we look at it. And it's all in, in, in what we uh, put into that situation and how we appreciate it. You know, yeah. like my kids growing, I have an 11 year old and six year old. And it's like, it's sometimes, you know, you, you forget to appreciate where they're at because you, you want them to grow bigger and stronger and not need you. And so there's this, this ingrained part of our DNA of like, let's keep them, keep them growing, keep in, and we forget to pause and appreciate where they're at in the present situation. And the more we can do that, that's when gratitude starts to come in. I love it. You know, a quick sidebar, you know, I, I relate to the difficulty of, of meditating. I used to have that struggle. And again, from a strategic standpoint, I basically um, created a solution for myself. Whereas rather than trying to, you know, cross my legs in the perfect, you know, lotus position and have absolute silence and quiet my mind completely, I instead chose to create a meditation where I basically, with every in-breath, I visualized a white light coming into my body. And with every out-breath, I visualized a white light spreading out to the world, healing the world. And I actually, I like, I inject that into techniques I teach people. So I really relate. I love the fact that, you know, it's good to talk to someone that, that struggled with it. And for me, again, it's, it's a really cool thing and always an interesting way to try to inject a strategic solution, which again, for what you've got going on here, it sounds like you're, um, you're very intentional about that. And that actually brings me to the fifth question here, because this fourth question of what are a few small things that you can appreciate about the situation which by the way, I would assume can snowball into larger things to appreciate in that process. The fifth question here, what opportunities could come out of it? 
what could you describe, you know, talk about that step a little bit and what you mean when you say that? Yeah, I, I think no matter what situation we're in, um, Victor Frankl, um, you know, he's the, the Jew in the Nazi concentration camps. Um, uh, you know, he basically wrote a book, uh, A Man's Search for Meaning, and he was able to find opportunity in that terrible situation um, because he realized if he didn't, if he didn't find purpose, he would die. He would find, he would give up. Um, and I think that to me is the biggest determiner of whether you are going to be successful in business or not. You know, like, do you have a greater purpose of what you're trying to accomplish and kind of coming back to that why, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but when you understand that greater purpose and, and then it's like, okay, what am I going to do to make this a more of a clearer reality? And, um, you know, kind of going back to the coworker, uh, you know, putting you down, like once you kind of go through these questions, well, what opportunities could come out of it? Well, I usually, when I work with clients, I talk about internal and external opportunities. Mm -hmm. External opportunities might be, okay, well, I can try building a better relationship with this person. Um, I can try building relationship with other people because this one isn't um, what I'm looking, uh, what I'm not getting out of this relationship, what I want. Um, other external things could be, okay, well, I'm gonna um, try these other things to, uh, to make sure that, you know, when I, I'm doing my job, you know, this person doesn't, uh, you know, call me out on anything. Well, internal opportunities, you know, those are external, those are actions you can take physically to, you know, make your situation better, but also internal as well as, well, why do I, you know, starting to understand why do I care what this person thinks? And then, okay, if I, if I do care about what they think, um, you know, that's fine. Maybe they're your boss, right? And you should care because you don't want it to be so bad that it becomes toxic and uh, that you, you know, you can't even handle work in there another day. Mm -hmm. So you start to say, okay, well, you know, what, what mindsets um, can I create that help me process this? And I think that's where, you know, you could get curious about, you know, uh, these emotions when they happen, you know, and, and you could, uh, you know, take a time, go for a walk and just, you know, understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. You could say, oh, I'm going to use this as, as a chance, um, to meditate you know there's so many opportunities that we have and internally to make connections inside of ourselves um, that when we do then we say oh okay this can really help me i'm gonna try um, doing this thing i'm gonna try to you know um, you know learn more about this person and just, you know, get curious about them and, and allow myself to you know, not get too attached to, you know, how I'm feeling about them, but just use this as an opportunity to kind of almost experience this like a movie. Mm. And that's to me is like, man, like, you know, th that's a powerful shift that you have to be able to 
to make and practice, that's not easy. Like it is never easy to enjoy a difficult person. I had a, a, a coworker who was very difficult to get along with. Um, at the time I was in my early twenties. I think she was maybe in her late forties, early fifties. And, um, you know, a lot of people in the office had trouble with her. And so a lot of people avoided her. Now she wasn't a bad person. She just was very uh, strict in her own um, ways and, and how she th uh, thought things through. And, uh, but what I've realized for myself is, um, you know, and I didn't even realize what I was doing, but I decided to write a story about her. And, uh, you know, and it was my way of processing what was going on. And I used that as a internal opportunity and as well as an external one. I created this, you know, piece of, uh, of work that I still reference today, as well as, you know, uh, uh, founding, you know, connections inside myself uh, to appreciate this difficult person. And, uh, I, you know, now that I look back and, you know, as we're talking, like, oh, wow, like I was starting to do this dig the fly method, you know, years ago, over 20 years ago, uh, but I just didn't never really put it together. Got it. I love it. So just a quick little thing, <laughs> really, for, for both my audience and yours. <clears throat> as I'm like, you know, just examining this question of what opportunities could come of it and what you mean, it's so funny, my, my brain almost come up, came up with other versions of, of the question, just based on things I've been through in my life. Like, I remember there was a certain mindset modality where they would say, you know, what's right about this that I'm not seeing? Or, you know, another question, you know, related is like, what, what win is waiting for me? Like, how can I get a win out of this situation? Or even if this is just about making you feel better, um, whether it is or not, it's like, once, what's one thing that is probably true about this, that if it were true, would make me feel a lot better. Now, as you hear me kind of, um, you know, modify and improvise, how, like, how does, does that feel closely in line with what the intent of the process? Yes. So the idea, you're right, is there are, it's hard. Sometimes a lot of people, clients I work with are like, okay, what's opportunities, you know, kind of coming back to that coworker, they're like, I don't know, like their minds can't go there yet. Mm. And so, you know, it's, you, we're stuck on either the why or the expectations or, uh, you know, what's really going on. And so we'll kind of loop back and dig a little bit more. Um, but then we'll I'll also kind of, you know, that's sometimes they don't want to go there. So I say, okay, well, you know, if, if this situation is untenable, then, um, you know, are you going to quit? No, I'm not going to quit. Okay. Well, are you going to keep doing this same thing every single day? Well, I don't want to do that either. So then I'm like, okay, well, let's dig a little bit. What mm -hmm. opportunities can you really think and pause like what's going on and then they'll be like oh yeah like i can you know uh try this i can invite them to lunch um you know i can uh keep a journal on them oh that's a really you know like talk about writing that book um if someone's bothering you take notes on them like you are a a, a naturist you know out in the wild watching a tiger 
Um, you wouldn't go up to that tiger and be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And give him a hug. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you would document, you know, okay, what do they do? How do they act? What is their triggers? Um, and then you start to, because I think that's one thing I like to do on myself. I like to document and take notes on myself and, you know, certain things I do, especially certain things that I struggle with. I'll, I'll right away, I'll pull out my phone and write them down. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just, sometimes you forget. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, today was great. No, you forgot about that one o'clock when you sent out an email to ask for an interview and they said, no, um, not worth our time. And you just, you, you crumbled for, you know, maybe it was just a half a second, you know, but your heart sank and you're like, no, but you don't understand how important this work is like I can help your audience you know um, mm-hmm. and then you end up defending it and then you end up you know you know uh, attacking them and this all happens in a split second and yeah. then all of a sudden you realize what was going on and when you do then it, you can surface that stuff and you can say oh well, like that's their that's their stuff and I'm allowing myself to get angry over this, that's not, that's not fair to them or myself. And then you can start changing that, that mindset. So, you know, the intent behind this, this is basically a a circular process of self-discovery to a certain extent, non-attachment, and to another extent, basically training yourself to reframe and to spot opportunity and to spot wins so that you can basically understand yourself better and improve your life while you're doing it. Yeah. And cool. I, I like how you put that. It is circular, right? You, you, you just keep coming, coming back to it. Um, but I put these together because of the sequence, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the ideas create that emotional space. Then you dig down. And what I equate it to is if you're on a trampoline and, you know, let's say the ground is one foot under the trampoline and you're jumping and boom, you hit this hard surface, you're not going to get very high. Yeah. You got to dig down underneath all that stuff, all that emotional stuff that's just kind of tugging away at you, dig out away from it. And then that's when you can start to fly high. Love it. So Carl, we're, we're almost out of time here, but I did want to ask one critical question about this process because I really think or hope it'll help people. But in your experience of working with people on this, what is the most prominent or frequent challenge that people generally face and what's the best way out of it? Mm. Good question. I, I think there's two. Um, I think we get so attached to our emotions, our thoughts and emotions, um, that we have trouble seeing that there's multiple angles to a situation. Um, uh, I think, you know, too often we, uh, we repeat these stories so much and we, you know, we go over them, we, we, we believe in them or we, uh, we hate them so much or we love them so much um, that become truth. And the reality is, this is going to be existentialist, but there is no 100% complete truth out there. Everybody sees things from a different perspective. 
And if anything has shown us that with the political climate right now, two people, one on the left, one on the right, see the same, look at the same situation, but see it completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, you do that inside yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, the more you can uncover that, the you know, the more that you can really, you know, say, oh, wow, like, you know, no, I don't have to, you know, believe in that. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, consistency. Um, we often dive into stuff, um, you know, people want to start a running habit, people want to start an exercise habit, it goes for a few weeks, and then it just dies off. And mm. a lot of times, uh, same thing with with mental health, mental fitness, however you want to describe it. Um, taking the time to pause and reflect and understand what's going on inside yourself, um, how you are processing certain things, where are there opportunities inside yourself, then you can really, you know, stay consistent with it. That's when you start to really see those results. Got it. I'll, it's, it's so interesting. Consistency is one of the, the top things I, I tackle in the context of, of my stuff as well. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to hear a different take on that and, and still an identification that other people in another area have that. And I mean, me personally, I, I have the luxury of the work that I show people, they don't have to dig so deep. So it's so like my stuff is fun. That makes it consistent. I really value and respect the fact that you've identified a need for consistency, even though people do have to kind of, for what you're doing, they have to rise to the occasion and dig deeper, so to speak. But I also really appreciate that insight that I never thought about, like maybe inside of you right now, whether you are left or right, there's an argument happening between a left and a right person, like to that level of, of internal conflict that someone might have not realize it, but if they discover and if they reconcile it, they would have so much weight lifted off their shoulders. And it sounds like, you know, your process is a vehicle by which they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Cool. Cool. So um, real quick, if, if people, I mean, obviously, you know, some of the people listening are already well aware of you, but you know, for, for new people in my audience specifically, if they want to learn more about you or connect, learn more about the dig to fly method, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, dig to fly.com D I G T O fly F L Y.com. Um, and on there they can, um, if they sign up, they'll get the printable. They can print this out. Um, and they can, you know, start filling it up, take a struggle, think it through, process it. It can take them, you know, depending on how big of a struggle, if it's, you know, minor, it can take less than 10. If it's a little bit major, you know, it can take 10 to 30. Um, but the idea is just start, start digging and start learning more about yourself. And when you do, that's that's when you find those diamonds and you bring in the light. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love it. I want to make sure to put uh, that website, uh, Dig to Fly. Oh, give, give me one more time. Digtofly.com. Perfect. I'm going to put digtofly.com in the show notes for shatteredamoldpodcast.com so people just be able to click on it very easily from the main page in this interview. Last go-away question here, Carl. Um, See if I can make it a quick one. If you personally can go back in time to a version of yourself, 10, 15, 20 years in the past, what's the number one piece of advice that you would give that earlier version of yourself? Be kind to yourself. 
Mm. And but this is what what's so hard is, uh, you know, when we when we give ourselves advice, it's so hard to take, and that's why consistency and and having a process, you know, even if you you know people are listening, don't have a uh, you know, don't use the dig the fly method. Find what works for you. Find a process that helps you dig into your thoughts and emotions because you're going to be more successful. Um, you know, the things holding you back usually are things inside of yourself, not the people out there, not the opportunities. When you stop blaming external things and you start looking inside, um, you know, that's when everything opens up for you. I love it. Carl, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate you coming on. And um, I guess bearing with me as I dove, like really, I dug deep into these questions and asked a few particulars. And thanks for your patience and dropping so much wisdom and insight. I'm really hoping and I'm confident that this was a valuable conversation, both for my audience and yours. So thanks for being here. Oh, yeah, I had a great time. Those are, I love diving deep into that. That was fantastic. Thanks again, Carl. I really appreciate you being here today. That was an awesome interview. And guys, you definitely want to feel free to check out digtofly.com to check out what Carl's got going on and learn a little bit more. And of course, uh, I'm going to have that link up at shatteredamoldpodcast.com where this interview resides. And while I'm giving out links, quick final reminder, you can check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com or my free YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. With that said, thank you so much for being here and stay tuned. We've got another awesome guest on the way very soon and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.